Hello and welcome to another episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Deborah Tarika. I'm Joel Spence. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them. And here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and also not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. How's it going? It's going very well. How are you, Joel? Good, good, good. That's the end of our intro. <laughs> still, still the pleasantries are done. The pleasantries are done. Uh, should we just do our, this particular song is very, very important to me? I think we should. The The segment where we um, pick a song that's very, very important to us. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm very excited to do this. All right. Mine is embarrassing, okay. uh, but we'll get to mine second. Okay. Should we do this one? What is this? Okay. So my song is, um, it's a cover of the song Strangers by the Kinks, um, and it's by the band Y Oak. It was in October 2011, AV Undercover started. Uh, I think it was like the first round of AV Undercover where there was like an amazing Ted Leo cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. They just have people come into the studio and they have a whole list of songs to pick from and they pick a song and cover it. And the, the second I heard this song, it like did something to me. And I love the original. Strangers this is just a band called Wyoke. I had never heard of them before. Mm. Um, and it's just a really beautiful, perfect cover to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and her voice is spectacular. Kinks are a very coverable band. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Those are terrific, terrific songs. The Kinks are like an untapped, I think from America's perspective. Yeah. Everyone knows who they are. Like I'm always fascinated by this part of their history where they they made some error when they first toured in America and they got banned. Like it was something they were rude to some but like <laughs> somebody. And it caused them never to break in America like the Who. Like it's the, crazy because they have got such. I mean, their discography is crazy. Yeah. They had two monster hits about twenty years apart. Yes. Which is crazy when you think about it. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, you really got me as a legitimate hit, yeah. and Come Dancing was a legitimate hit. Yeah. yeah. And then there's there's two decades of amazing work. Like, that doesn't even touch Village Green Preservation Society. Yes. Lola. Yeah, so yeah. much great stuff in there. Yeah, they're terrific. And You Really Got Me is the shreddiest song. That guitar <laughs> solo is violent. We were oh, just that talking sound about is, I mean... When they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Ray Davies came out and did that song with Metallica. Oh. <laughs> and Metallica was like, I, we thought this was kind of a weird choice, but you know, a lot of this this sound Metal. comes from the Kinks. And yeah. rumor has it that before they, they had such a thing as uh, distortion pedals, they would put pins in their amplifier cones to create wow. this vibration that would give the wow. the kind of dirt of what we now know to be distortion. Right. Um, but that's what what makes that the guitar on that song so chewy yeah 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 it's really cool this um, is lovely yeah I, yeah I wish I could put to words what it makes it 
it's something where if I hear it, like it can almost instantly bring me to tears with no connect. There's no memory attached to it. It's just a really beautiful song. Yeah. I got a little oversaturated with the original version, especially like going to a ton of weddings. Uh-huh. I feel like that it's that is like a really good walk down the aisle song or first dance song. I think people really love it. There was a period for my husband and I when we were building up to our wedding of like the potential songs for us. And we'd go to a wedding and we'd cross the song off the list of like, <laughs> OK, we can't use Talking Heads. Cool. Cross that off the list. Yeah, can't this must be the place. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, like they're just like any of our friends. So um, you settled on the wind beneath my wings. Didn't you? <laughs> it was always our top choice. I mean. <laughs> OK, so mine is. Um... Don't be embarrassed. I mean, or, so be, I went to, or be embarrassed. I went back to Let's 1982. See. I don't know when you, you got to the Dead Kennedys album, but that came out in 1982. This is the one that we're going to yeah. talk about. Uh, so I went to 1982 to find out, like, what was I? I was this 11-year-old kid, and I was looking at all this. The, I did not listen to this record when it came out, yeah. so I'm not that cool an 11-year-old. No. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I figured. I was living in San Antonio, and it's just a rich place. There's just lots of different influences that are going on. A big one is, of course, country music. And there was a group of friends that we all knew each other because of sports. And they all, they were sort of like real Texans. And my family always felt like outsiders in Texas, even though my mom and dad are born there and were raised there, essentially. We weren't really that country music loving family Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was some crossover hits (laughs) that happened one of them is mountain music by alabama Hmm. and it's it's sort of cringy particularly the beginning there's a spoken word bit about to happen oh good (laughs) dead kennedy's record starts with a spoken word (laughs) (laughs) it's the polar opposite of what we're about to get into but you see that mountain over there oh wow yeah one of these days, I'm going to climb that mountain. I like it already. <laughs> it's a big sing-along, and I'm not an expert on this, but to do a crossover hit from country, all you needed to do at that time was put a four-on-the-floor drum, bass drum beat that got everybody tapping. Yeah. Yeah. Some mountain music. Oh, yes, of course, this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This I get. I remember, remember this song. It's part of your psyche too. <laughs> this is I grew up. No, this was this, this was kind of even in New York. I mean, which is you know, which was never. Uh, I mean, there's a country station. Yeah. But, um, but even this even made it. Uh, you didn't have to be in Texas to have. Uh, yeah. Have this cross your path. But it was it was so huge surrounding that group of people that I was hanging out with, and I was like, ah, I'm into it too. It's great. <laughs> um, but that was the last time music of this genre I think appealed to me or like I moved I moved on from it after this I'm not like a, a golden age uh, thinker in the sense of like oh things used to be better then but what was kind of cool about early 80s radio pop radio is yep. wildly diverse yeah this would go into quiet riot which yes. would, and then yeah. in turn, go into Eddie Grant, right? And and you you did have this kind of like crazy eclecticism on mm-hmm. top forty radio. This was right before I got into middle school, which was a public school from a private school, which was a huge, like, massive shock, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. This song is what got you through it? <laughs> no, it was just like the moment before. It was like the last, it was like the, the last song of the previous era, yeah. era, in a way. That comes from the heart. And then from then on, you would I wouldn't have been caught dead listening to Alabama. What what, com- what comes after this? Um, I started to listening more music that was like um, like it, Frankie Goes to Hollywood came pretty quickly. Uh, the B 52s okay. um, the contemporaneous new wave. Yeah, okay. new wave. I yeah. think. Um, I like uh, having Depeche you here. I know we haven't even introduced you yet, but I feel like you are a legit music expert. I don't um, know about that. You have like I, such a good knowledge of it that I, I will find myself, I realize, li- throughout this, just just listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's, I love it. It's so... Um, I had a lot more record stores than friends when I was <laughs> yeah. in uh, no, it's nice junior high. I feel like we go back uh, and forth with and this. high with, school. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's nice that you legitimately know, you play music, you legitimately know music. Um, it's it's really nice to like you use real terms. Yeah. Well, I feel like I talk uh, about feelings. <laughs> no, no, it, but it's all it's all of a piece. You know, believe you're gonna hear a lot about feelings on this. <laughs> I mean, I recognize the hook, but is there a, is this a story song? Do you know? Uh, I think it's just all. Like, you mean is there a narrative? Yeah. I don't think so. I oh, think okay. it's just um, and it <laughs> and it speeds up. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna it, listen to this. They this finally is... play that mountain music. Oh, good, for the yes. last minute of the there song. Is. Yeah. But I was I was on the wiki page for it, and it astonishingly, <laughs> it took this guy three years to write the song. And I was like, three <laughs> takes me back, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> three years. Huh. Um, but I, I get it because I, I would imagine that he immediately once he got the c- hook, he was like, oh, this is going to be important. So, and it's like a nostalgia yeah. song. Like every line is like, get me back to right, that moment. Right, right. It's like uh, the. Lukenbach, Texas, with Waylon and Will, Willie and the Boys, that song where it's like, we, we've lost our sense of country. We've lost our sense mm-hmm. of connection to classic 
Americana in a way. It's like an anthem. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. strong anthem. They yeah. do really, country does anthems really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as, as, as suggested, they do story songs really yeah. well. Yeah. And um, I, I'll go over to, uh, um, oh, what is it here? Kago? KGO? Go Country FM, okay. uh, which is the LA country station occasionally, and I have no idea who's singing to me, yeah. but um, sometimes they'll have actual stories still. They're yeah. actually mm-hmm. doing do like ballads those. in the in the original sense yeah. of the word, like a song with a narrative, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> All right, our guest has already proven unable to shut up. <laughs> you know him as Barry Kripke on Big Bang Theory, and of course uh, Jimmy on Speechless. Uh, I didn't realize this, but we share this in common. We are both lapsed Episcopalians. I saw this. On your <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that either. Now oh, I yeah. feel left out. Look at that. Yeah, <laughs> we can get that. divorced. Chorister by chance, choir boy? Uh, yeah. For yeah. the first, uh, like for one year. Um, my dad told me this much later, but uh, he said, yeah, we brought you guys to church so you wouldn't freak out about religion on either side of it. Hmm. Yeah. We just didn't want you to be overly obsessed with church or just reject it completely. That's a philosophy that Jamie and I are using in raising our children, actually. Yeah. It's funny you should mention that, that she's got a very clean... This is actually all going to come into the album. Um, <laughs> the, um, she's, she had a philosophy... Because, you know, I was of the, I was of the uh, mind really early on that, like, screw it, we're just not going to do anything. And mm-hmm. I was like, no. She's like, no, you got to raise them with something or else they'll either... They can, they'll end up going so whole hog. They'll yeah. end up like absolute, you know, all wig, no pig, orthodox, you yeah. know, mm. um, racing home before sundown and Friday or, the, or some, you know, weird Christian sect cult. And I was like, all right, so our choices are Judaism and Episcopalianism. And she's like, hi, we don't have a hell. And I was like, all right. <laughs> that, that, uh, checkmate. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought her up because like the first time I knew about you was for, for me, I was like, I knew you as the guy that was married to Jamie Denbo because I knew Jamie how I know you now. Do you have Couldn't a name? I don't think no. that's... <laughs> have we said it? No. <laughs> okay. John Ross Bowie, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Such an honor. Uh, so is what is exciting. what album is very, very important to you? It's the second full length from San Francisco's Dead Kennedys, mm-hmm. Plastic Surgery Disasters. Fantastic. From 1982. So great. And um, it is a... Um, well, I got into punk rock... Where to start with this piece? <laughs> I got into punk rock, I think, in a very conventional way. I got the first Ramones record because, you know, here are these goofy kind of cartoonish characters on the mm-hmm. cover. And these here are song titles like, uh, Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue and Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World. Beat on the Brat. Yeah, you know, these are funny song titles. And, and then from there, maybe you check out the Sex Pistols. And the Sex Pistols name is essentially just a dick joke. Mm-hmm. And that's all well anarchy in the UK. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound practical, but let's hell hear you out. Okay, very well. So once you start you know, sort of scratching the surface, you know, it's this, especially in the early 80s, it's this massive subculture. Mm-hmm. And an, a name you hear shortly thereafter, after you hear about the Ramones, who are literally named from a, from a pseudonym that Paul McCartney used to check into hotels. Oh, right. yeah. oh I um, that. Paul Ramone. Um, and then the Sex Pistols, again, a dick joke. <laughs> you come across the dead Kennedys, and that's just, wherever you stand politically, that's just in the worst possible taste. Mm-hmm. That is just... Yeah. And like my father, who was a died in the wool Republican, was like, "Oh no, 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 no! Wait a second, no, no! Voted against the man every chance I had, but no, 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 no! We can't know that's not a thing, huh?" I can't even think of a more like pushing the envelope 
band names. It really is. Everything after that seemed, and there, you know, there's, I mean, believe me, I have records. I don't anymore. I've sold so much of my vinyl, but I have records in my collections from the Dayglow abortions. I have records from (laughs) Jodie Foster's army, which is a particularly sharp joke from the early eighties. Um, uh, uh, very of its time, um, had to be reading the news a lot in the early eighties, but it's a great great joke. But in all of those guys, all Herald team names now. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like the, the, but there's something about that name, dead Kennedy's that still packs a fucking punch, (laughs) man. It's still like, yikes, really? That's a thing? Even when you refer to them as just the Kennedys, it's like, even that, it's true. It's just like, oh. And I remembered how many people would, and I, I even like, you know, as, as, edgy as we tried to be. A lot of us would just be like, yeah, and I like the DKs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's call them the DKs. The DKs. Yeah. We'll just call them the DKs, please. Yeah. That's just because well, I feel like my mom's listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a Catholic household, right? We'll yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll and then, and then the albums themselves, this particular album does not have the song titles on the back. It just, Ooh. the cover is just the Dead Kennedy scrawled in, in pink uh, lettering and then a very unsettling photograph yes. from, uh, from, I actually think from Biafra of a uh, journalist holding a very frail uh, African child's hand yeah. in his. Um, That's the former country in Africa, right? Biafra? Yeah, it is no longer a, a, a country. It is um, uh, the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys, a guy named Eric, who took the stage name Jello Biafra. Yeah, because, I just even got confused right there when yeah. you said that. Um, because um, uh, the Carter administration sent a massive relief package to Biafra that was mostly Jello, which has virtually no food value at all. Oh, my God. Um, so he took that as like. Uh, he, took, he said, like, well, that's my stage name, which gives you an idea of his worldview. Yeah. Um, there, was, um, there was something almost pornographic about the Dead Kennedys because the name was so illicit. The album was blank. It didn't have song titles on the back. It didn't have the album title on the cover. Like, it was on the spine. Yeah. But um, you really had to, like, you know... Yes, Tower Records had it, but like you wouldn't probably find it Sam Goody. Right. Um, so, so I got a friend of mine made me a mixtape of their, maybe a tape of their first record, uh, Fresh Fruits or Running Vegetables, um, with a song called Kill the Poor. And I was like, wait, are these guys serious? They want to kill the poor? Right. That doesn't seem like a good idea. And then it, it, it became clear that Kill the Poor was about. Uh, the neutron bomb, which was a, a, a brief defense experiment that would um, destroy people and leave architecture intact. <laughs> um, the yeah. most important thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, so then I'm 14. It's the summer I start to really go whole hog, and like this is where my allowance is going. It's going to Midnight Records on 23rd Street, which is a little mom and pop place. Obviously, don't look for it; it's not there anymore. And this, but it was like five blocks up from my high school, and I would go there after school, and I would just pour through the racks, and I'd buy fanzines, and I'd um, I'd I'd go off of album titles or song titles, whatever uh, drew me to, whatever yeah. drew my eye. Mm-hmm. And and um, made a ton of mistakes, but got into a lot of cool bands. But I kept hearing about the Dead Kennedys, and I took the plunge, and I bought Plastic Surgery Disasters. And it is a, it's a challenging record. Yeah. It's a very yeah. challenging record on a number of levels. It's challenging musically in that it opens with like this cacophony of like horrible, almost white noise, and then a weird spoken word piece. the the first The first thing you hear is. Such a stupid asshole. Would you really like to know? Well, here you see. 
Remove your clothes and the vet will show you how. Why are you such a stupid asshole is the first thing that you hear spoken on this record. And it's uh, a track called Advice from Christmas Past. And it's... Um, uh, it, it touches on a lot of the themes that the Dead Kennedys uh, worked through uh, in their work, which is the idea of you are born to go get a job, to contribute ever so slightly to other people's wealth, and then to die. And this is very much like this runs through all of their albums is the idea of the corporate drone yeah. Yeah. who is just treated like a worker bee and is uh, eventually going to be replaced by a machine anyway. It all feels very familiar. <laughs> yeah. And then the first uh, song song is this one, Government Flu, yeah. which suggests that the government is testing germ warfare on its citizens. I am 14 years old. <laughs> I have just gotten my heart broken by a girl named Kim. We got a drug. We're going to try that on you. We'll make you die. It'll get you just a little bit sick. So you're just feeling all sorry for yourself and like, you know, your first love and you're going into high school with like just having your heart broken at the end of eighth grade. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And then this comes up, this album comes into your life and you're like, yeah, there's there's bigger shit going on, John. <laughs> and I'm not saying like, oh, the government is testing germ warfare on us, but just to have that question raised yeah. when you're going into ninth grade is an abrupt doesn't begin to describe what that does yeah. to your head. Yeah. What records like this did was it sort of thrust you into that freshman year mentality a few years early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, what is the official story? Can we trust the official story? Yeah. Um, and yes, this is a, this came out of the Reagan era, but as we've already suggested, you know, it's not like, you know, Carter was a saint uh, right. in, this, in this worldview either. This song's called Terminal Preppy, and it's about uh, the people who are training to be the elite. It is a little bit of saxophone and clarinet you heard there. Yeah. That yep. little hint of klezmer uh, sort of breaking up the, the punk rock monotony for a moment there. Yeah. What fucked me up about this song is um, there's a verse which goes... Um, uh, John Belushi's my hero. I yep. lampoon and I ape him. Uh, my news of the world comes from Sports Illustrated. Now, my news of the world didn't come from Sports Illustrated. I was the opposite of a jock, but I really liked the movie Animal House. And here, this this song was saying like, why? Yeah. Why do you like it? Yeah. Why do you like it? Because remember, Bluto becomes a senator at the end of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Bluto's not necessarily one of the good guys anymore. And, yeah. And these are like, some, some heavy thoughts. For it's a, a lot, right? And like, again, I'm not saying like, and I got it all. Yeah. And I was able to process this. That's not what I'm saying at all. But this stuff was being introduced to me through like sheer dumb luck. Attracting some suburb with 
that was my college right there. I went to SMU in Dallas, and that's basically who the majority. This is so. This is a wrong thing to say, but there's. A, I'll, I'll just say there was a lot of people who were just doing that and had no irony about everything that he says in that song. Dude, I went to Ithaca College where yeah. people would take their Milwaukee best boxes and and cover their dorm walls with it. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, my, my neighbor uh, got taken to uh, the hospital for alcohol poisoning twice our freshman Jesus. year. Twice. One football player from my school literally killed with one punch a football player from Cornell in front of my dorm. It was a jock party school. Oh yeah. I went there because I thought the town was utterly charming and it was sort yeah. of a vague enough liberal arts school that I could like go here and not be tied to any one thing. Yeah. I ended up studying English. But um, but that kind of unironic John Blutarski thing was mm-hmm. going on at Ithaca in a big way. So you were like you had this that song in your head when you went there and you're like, Oh, here it all is. Here it all is. Yeah. This is yeah. this is what I'm living through. It's a weird thing when it's like, oh, they're proven right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now looking at the, the lyrics to Government Flu, it's a lot of it's like you can look at it as it's just an anti complacency song. It, it's mm-hmm. like you you have been fed stuff that have numbed you. Uh mm-hmm. Uh, that everything is just fine. You just follow these rules and everything is going to be just fine. And that's the pill that everyone is taking. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the opium of our masses. Yeah, no, there's there's something, it's, it's I go past Orwell to Huxley in terms of the worldview. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, like, yeah. it's more Brave New World than 1984 because like there is like, you know, surfacey fun to be had, but at what cost? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Trust your mechanic what is uh, is what's playing underneath that, and this is about <laughs> this is about the people we pay to fix things who end up fucking us up more. So yeah. it creates a distrust for not just auto mechanics but head mechanics. There's a whole screed against uh, psychiatrists in here, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and. Look, I am. Uh, I benefit from better living through pharmacology myself. Yeah. Yep. Um, but my wife went to the hospital with pneumonia uh, uh, about a month and a half ago. We didn't know what the hell was going on, but she was like sicker than I'd ever seen her. We, oh. we took her to the hospital, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is pneumonia." And like, we've had pneumonia for like, no, what you've had is a bad cold. This is pneumonia. Oh. But we left with like ten prescriptions. And we called her GP, and she was like, Jesus, you need, like, one of those. Simmer the fuck down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was, wow. you know, do we trust our mechanic? You know, it was, yeah. you know, she got, like, they gave her so much shit. Yeah. And we didn't fill any of them. We filled, like, you yeah. know, one or two. We filled a painkiller because she couldn't sleep. Yeah. And we filled the antibiotic. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it was just all this, like, crazy, like, expectorant and uh, um, yeah. analgesic just shit. overkill and with everything. Totally overkill kill you know and um wow and what popped into my head trust your mechanic (laughs) there it is you were already prepared for this um i'm so um conditioned i fear authority i really do like i go to doctors and they're like here this is what you do and i follow it and i uh, about five years ago i was i went to an emergency room with a uh, an ovarian cyst and they couldn't find it like i went to the well how did you know it was there the how did I know it was there? Yeah. I the ex, ex, I didn't know it was there. I didn't oh. know what it was. I had excruciating pain. Um, Cedar Sinai ER turned they checked me, they went, You're fine. If it's you're still in pain on Monday, go see your doctor. They sent me home. An hour later I was at a different ER. I had emergency surgery the next day, I had to have my ovary removed. Like crazy shit but the doctor was just like you, you they didn't say you're fine but they were just like we don't see anything go home it, i had an assist the size of a grapefruit inside my body that they didn't see and it was just crazy because i we, we went okay oh yeah. and left god and then went and then went to the a better er yeah. and uh, 
it's yeah, not about Cedars, it's not about the yeah, ER, yeah, but it's yeah. just like, when, okay, I didn't fight them. I didn't say like, no, 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 there's something going on. Like, it was just, I trusted. Yeah. 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 It is, with these songs, it's so interesting. They just go one right into the other, into oh, the yeah. other. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. You don't so even get to breathe. No, really. no, just there's... Like, can't, like, all of these, because it's, and they're so specific about, don't trust this, don't trust this, don't trust this, like, uh-huh. every part of everything, uh-huh. where it's just like, you don't even have time to process before they go into the next 45 seconds song. Right. No, it's, it's there, it, it is, yeah, I remember looking at the vinyl because I bought it on vinyl. It was just big and had this massive booklet that came with it with all the lyrics. Thank God, because he's you know singing yeah, I was a mile curious a how you yeah. did it. Yeah, the lyrics yeah. and they, they they came with a. Um, they used to work with an artist who took the name Winston Smith, actually the the title character from uh, the main character from 1984, mm-hmm. and he was an artist who would do collage work, and he would do all sorts of. He made their album cover that's Jesus crucified on a cross of dollar bills. Yeah, yep. that's him. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> again, a really, ch- yeah. a little on the nose. Yeah, no question. No question. No question. What is he saying? Um, <laughs> there's um, not a Judaism. lot of subtlety when you get by when you come down to the dead Kennedys. I mean, <laughs> as the name would suggest. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember later on they, they signed a band on their label. They signed a band called the Crucifox, and I was like, "All right, kids." <laughs> it's All like right. they have uh, punk uh, refrigerator magnet words, and they just kind exactly. of put those together. That's exactly what it's like. Like, here's a new band name, Cruci <laughs> Cruci shit. Almost. Uh, <laughs> we'll save shit for another one. <laughs> um, uh, well-paid scientist is yep. about how capitalism corrupts the pure core of research. <laughs> you know, the other shit that you think about when you're 14. Yeah. You know, the other stuff that's weighing on your head. So, and it's also, you know, it's worth mentioning that, like, I am able to, this is coexisting in my head with Things Can Only Get Better by Howard Jones. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm able to take that in, too, right. which is why I'm not, you know, completely fucking crazy and wasn't cutting myself, yeah. is that I was able to have some balance in my life, and there was some sort of poppy synth stuff that I was into at the same time, but this was there, and and mm. this was bringing a a balance to the force of sorts. You know, would you? Uh, what would your your parents think? So I was just thinking. Yeah, too, like yeah. what? Uh, what they were like? Oh, what the hell's going on with my boy? <laughs> well, my my dad had moved out by this point. My dad really just was not about this. He just yeah. didn't you know, musically. He just did not like this stuff. It was a lot of yelling for him. Yeah. And my parents are also not. Um, they're not boomers. They're a little older than boomers. They're uh, 37 and 1942 are my parents' yeah, birth that's, years. That's so it's not like they're Woodstock hippies either. You yeah. know? So it's not like, oh, every every generation has their rebellion. They kind of didn't. Yeah. You know? And that's that's a, a key distinction in understanding my parents. My, my mom is, you know, my, my dad is in his 30s when they say you no longer can trust anyone over 30. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge shaping of his worldview. My mom, however, is stuck with me. I'm living with her. I see my dad every other weekend. She's listening to the music coming out of my living room. And she did. I got to give her credit, man. My mom and I have bumped heads on things over the years. But she sat down. It's like, okay, what's the story here? These, <laughs> these guys are called Dead Kennedys. That's yeah. makes my fucking skin crawl. But um, <laughs> what you know? What can you tell me about this? Wow. And I was like, well, they're really angry about a lot of stuff, not just Reagan. Um, yeah. And here's a lyric sheet. And, uh, you know, some of it is kind of funny. <laughs> and a lot of it is really dark. And she was like, huh. All right, you know, and it was it was like it was kind of the textbook thing you're supposed to do with your kid. Yeah, I got it. I'm getting a little emotional talking about it. It's funny. She was able to sit down and be like, "My son's into this. It behooves me to find out what's up." Mm-hmm. Um, it's giving me chills right now. And uh, and it's so heroic. I would sit down with this record, and um, you know, they're not necessarily like. 
you know, they're saying that killing the poor is actually a terrible idea. That's yeah. not a thing we yeah. should do. There's a lot of sarcasm and irony in this. Um, and again, you know, sarcasm and irony don't find their way into pop music in the 80s. You know, everything's yes. deadly fucking earnest. Yeah. Yes. Think about this. This is Duran Duran. This is Madonna. This is, mm-hmm. you know, everything is what it means on the surface. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I'm never going to go to the the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, my mom really became a huge DK's fan. But she, <laughs> but she, she listened and she heard me and them out in a way that was it was moving there's really no other way to put it well part of it is just the uh the the lyrics aren't like is it nihilist or no they're not nihilistic they're 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 negative but they're not nihilistic yeah and they're really i mean i'm leftist so it's that's i'm looking at through my worldview i'm like I don't disagree with anything these guys are saying. There's hope in there. There's just it's it's like a cautionary tale. That's, yes. There's so many, uh-huh. so much of that. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, and we were talking about this with Ted, about Ted Leo a little bit, just how good he is at um, criticizing through optimism. Yeah. 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 yeah and, he's excellent at that. And yeah, you also, never get that negative. Yeah. Yeah. And Ted's around my age and and grew up listening to a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, he was a New York hardcore it, yeah. kid. I think we were at a lot of the same shows. I don't know. He Jello Biafra would probably be really mad if I credited them with a political awakening because I'm a wishy-washy Democrat and I voted for Clinton twice. And the one time I voted Green, it was for Ralph Nader, and I don't feel great about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, um, uh, so I'm not. You know, it's not like he turned me into a radical, but. You know, it, but I also can't say that a lot of my worldview hasn't been shaped. A lot of the the questioning, a lot of the inquisitiveness that yeah. I bring to, that I try to bring to political discourse, has been shaped by by these guys and this album in particular. Can I just, I just jump back to your mom for a second? That yep. that little story, the, not little story, but that story feels like the best piece of parenting advice I've literally ever heard. Mm. It's something just, I try to do. Actually, just like sit down and have your kids explain why they like something and try and see it through mm-hmm. their eyes instead of just going like yeah, it's like, hard to my, do too my parents were pretty much the same age and weren't quite baby boomers um they my dad was in the army in the uh, late in the 65 all the way to 80 he was a physician physician in the he was a mechanic <laughs> my, my, dad was, my dad was a medic before we got into vietnam actually uh-huh. yeah just curing venereal disease so, <laughs> just curing sif sometimes his own so, <laughs> so in in 60 uh he was up in fort ord they were stationed there right after they no in, in 68 69 uh they were in fort ord the uh, military base in near uh, Monterey. Oh, okay. And there were uh, Vietnam War protests. There was a bomb that went off in the movie theater on the base, and he was really affected by that. Not on the, not agreeing with the protesters. So, uh, but he was also really into music, and he's sort of a centrist anyway. Yeah. Uh, but they they had a healthy appreciation for music my whole life, and they never. I never went like if they I never tested them I never got <laughs> I never got uh, there was a point where I got into punk with uh, I got Nevermind the Bollocks and, and I loved it and yeah. I don't think they were ever uh, worried um, but <laughs> to the point where I was listening I was into New Order like I was like traveling all around the place right. band wise but and uh, we were listening to Love, Love Vigilantes. I knew it. <laughs> a story song. A story song. Another narrative. Yeah. And we were listening to the car. My, I was like, I, I want to I listen to this, you know, and put it in the, the tape machine in our Buick. And she was listening to it. She's like, it's kind of soft. <laughs> she yeah. gave me shit. She gave me shit. She was like, that's what you like. 
Okay, okay, I guess I, yeah, I guess I do like this. Uh, And she wedgied you. (laughs) She sort of bullied me a little bit. Buzz Bomb's great. Buzz Bomb is just, uh, uh, it's uh, Buzz Bomb, Buzz Bomb, Machimobile, The Road's My Slave, That's How I Feel. Um, That detail about where where, we're, Pat Nixon is. <laughs> <laughs> the um, you know fascinating to me also because I didn't grow up in a car culture. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. What is the? Oh. Uh, oh, my favorite line in this is: I work all week, each penny saved, buys more escape from home. I'd rather cruise around all day than save up for a move. That is the funniest, unpoetic, uh, way of saying like I, I don't want to uh, relocate. He just says <laughs> then I. I'd rather cruise around all day than save up for a move. Yeah. Nothing is rhyming. Yeah. He doesn't care about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like a like a he did morning pages. <laughs> it's just like that's Shelby Alfred did the artist way First. and uh, really really got a few chapters in and we're all the better for it. Um, plow through rest area Santa Let's splat goes the lonely salesman wanking in the men's room. That's shit that shouldn't be crossing my uh, transom yeah. at age fourteen, but here I am, you know. Um, and yeah, there's that uh, zip through Eli where Pat Nixon was born. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's something about um, uh, <laughs> I've never quite understood what uh, what forest fire was. I mean, aside from it's literal, it's about a guy who gets high and starts a forest fire. But there's something kind of um, uh, eat the rich about yep. the whole idea of the forest fires affecting what forest fires affect, which is really wealthy California homes with mm. incredible views. The guy in the saw is, you know, deathly afraid of losing all the cocaine. He's got stockpiled in his basement. He has to make uh, a choice between that and his rescuing his wife or something like something that. Something like that. Now I'm seeing colors. I'm getting higher. I'm Where's your brand new pretty wife? She might be still inside. Either save her or your cocaine from the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Again, doesn't rhyme, which makes it even punchier because when you when you yeah. when when you can't count on a rhyme, you really can't second guess where the lyrics are going. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, yeah. whoa, 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 what, what, what are you saying? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, um, um, a pretty dark view. They were from, uh, you know, so much of, of the songs take place in that that weird chunk of Marin County, north of San Francisco, which is, you know, that the the natural habitat of the incredibly wealthy hippie. Yeah, you know, which is something that that. I think bothers Jello Biafra more than diehard Republicans. There's something about like, well, it's, it's yeah, it's the at least diehard Republicans are upfront about what they believe. At least they're walking their walk, you yeah. know. But like incredibly wealthy leftists, he calls bullshit on that, yeah. and he yeah. has a point. You sure. know, his that was the thing is that there was. You know, it wasn't just fuck Reagan as you got from so many bands in that era. You know, I think of the bands I was listening to, DOA, of course, Jodie Foster's Army, whose entire band name is based on a plot to kill Reagan. Um, (laughs) The Dead Kennedys were were just as rough on on the left. Yeah, he ran for mayor? He ran for mayor of San Francisco um, uh, and lost to Diane... Yeah, lost to Diane Feinstein. Um, He calls her the Margaret Thatcher of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a fan. He did monologues at ASCAT one time, and I played. What? Oh, really? And, um, you know, it's it's not a flat-out don't meet your heroes, but he talks. Yeah. Oh, Jello can talk. <laughs> That's, he, I feel, feel like he's somebody you want to meet in the moment all this is happening and not after the fact. <laughs> 
So this song's called Halloween, the song in the oh, background yeah, yeah, here. It's, it's and cool. Halloween is about people who act crazy and do make crazy big choices one night a year. Right. And that's that's all they do. And it basically shames people who um, uh, who do this. Uh, the chorus is, um, you're still hiding in a mask. You take your fun seriously. Yeah. No, don't blow this year's chance. Tomorrow your mold goes back on. So you're basically shaming you for only celebrating Halloween, which again, I'm 14. <laughs> I'm 14. All I want to do is like, you know, you know, you're in your peak Halloween years, maybe? Or you? I'm, I'm in my peak. I'm not peak trick or treating, obviously, but I'm peak Halloween. Yeah. You know, clever costume. Yeah. Years. Yeah. It's a big absolutely. thing. It's a, yeah. But what's in between? Where are your ideas? You sit around and dream for next Halloween. You know, and it's like, yeah. what if you know, the the idea, the the positive take on this song is, why aren't you trying to shake things up more often? Yeah. yeah. Why is it? Why does Halloween have to be the one year you you go against the status quo? Yeah. You know? And why did you uh, gesture to me when you said status quo? Um, I was gesturing to both of you. You're just closer to me, but seriously, you're a basic I'm a bitch. Um, was that a Starbucks cup I saw earlier? Good God! Um, you know, and again, it's a flat white, big deal. Uh, the you know, and again, you know, can't be said enough. Just to be heading into ninth grade, where you're about to like, okay, I have a chance to kind of reboot my personality. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't because it's it, New York City, especially because you're not guaranteed that everyone from your middle school is going to go to your high school. Is that right? Okay. Because um, yeah, it's a massive. Place, you know, okay. not everyone goes to the same high school. You all kind of spread out after eighth grade. So I have a chance to sort of, you know, control alt delete myself here. Yeah. And this song is saying like, sort of aggressively telling me not to be a pussy and 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 uh, and yeah. you know shake up the status quo. Now, what did that mean in yeah. my case? Yeah. Not a lot of incredibly big choices. I did um, what I did. You began I, your slow departure from the Episcopalian church. Well, yes, my, my voice had changed anyway, so I had left the church choir. <laughs> there was nothing for me to do at church anymore except just sit there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, at least you know, at church. least singing in the choir always kept me occupied yeah, for a couple true. of hours. Yeah. You know, that was that was kind of fun, and I, I worked on my ear and that was all that all paid off in the long run but um i uh so absent church and yes is around this time is when i stopped going to church much less often um i start kind of you know tiptoeing maybe i'm going to spike my hair a little bit Uh but i did a thing (laughs) i wore in the warmer months i wore just a coat not a coat but a coat lining Uh because i'd seen the comedian emo phillips do it ah so that was my sort of, this will be my take, is I'm going to take stand-up comedy and punk rock and try to yes. smush them together. <laughs> no shirt? Or were you wearing a shirt? No, a shirt. Oh, yeah, okay. a shirt. But like my, my overcoat my overcoat was just a, a coat lining. Got it. Um, with like this weird kind of double zipper and everything. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a statement. Uh, I'd wear night shirts that went down to my knees to school. Um, you know, how like, do you like, think like, kids viewed you? Like, did I you think ha- they just did viewed me as a kid who was trying too hard, and yeah. they were right. You know, uh, and I found my tribe eventually. 
Um, like 10th grade, 9th grade was just a lot of flailing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for all of us. Yeah. 9th grade was really a lot of flailing. But like there were actual hard, like there were kids with mohawks in my yeah. high school. Terrifying kids with straight up fucking mohawks that they kept aloft with Elmer's glue. Like hardcore shit. Did that ever, did you ever try that? No, and like, I never. I, 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 late in my junior year, a guy gave me like a skater cut, which is that, you know, um, everything's uh, shaved like super, super short with a lock cut, under the, like. a lock over one eye. Yeah. Well, um, a little more of an emo cut now, yeah. I think we'd call it at the time. It was a real popular in the pages of Thrasher magazine. That was the most radical. I never colored my hair. Uh, well, if you look at the band Dead Kennedys, it's they're all they look pretty straight. They're not like crazy. The looking. bands look straight. The fans look crazy. The fans look yeah. by and large. Yeah, and yeah. I think that goes for most punk rock. Yeah. Like um, most of the um, that front row. I saw I was watching some live performance and they are in, in London in 82, I think. Yeah. The front row are these, just like it looks like uh, a bunch of. It's like a pin cushion, like it's yeah. Just, uh, and they're just so into it. They're so into they're it. They're lost in the music. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Um. And and Biafra is such a weird stage presence. He is. He's like he does miming mimes. and acting yeah. things out, and he's playing the cop in police truck, and he's <laughs> he's he's very much. This is a guy who clearly is a frustrated actor on a couple of levels, yeah. and it's interesting to watch him do. But yeah, if you can find footage on YouTube, and there's tons, it's interesting to watch him do his thing. Yeah, and they but, look they all look pretty square. Like they, they all look pretty square. The circle jerks look like volunteer firemen or guys <laughs> who you'd you'd find in your local comic book shop um, the descendants all looked like who they were which was grad students ditto <laughs> bad religion it was the fans yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean I'll give you know, the British bands like the exploited and GBH they did yeah. stuff with their hair and everything but um, but most of the American punk bands were just schlubs yeah. and then they let their fans do all the, the decorative stuff and that's how I kind of eventually rationalized it's like I, I don't I don't dress like the fans I dress like the band yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's my thing so it's me it's just flannel shirt and some torn jeans and we're good to go I had my right. hair teased ironically on a Halloween one night I went to go see the Dickies and Murphy's Law at Irving Plaza in New York and, mm. and my friend Sybil with a, used half a can of Aquanet and sort of hung me upside down off the side of her couch and teased my hair and when I got up Sybil goes, my God, you look like Don King. <laughs> and then I go to the show and it was like, what's up, Don King? And like, it was like, hey, white Don King. collective comedy unconscious oh, just man. kicked in and everybody had the same joke at me and I, I uh, had it coming. Riot is a right. weird one. Um, the, it's second, a, the second side, they kind of, uh, for me, they sort of uh, open up a bit as a band. Well, they, they well, they say, another thing about the Dead Kennedys is that, you know, Sheldon can't really sing, but he's an interesting lyricist. The rest of those, that band can play. Yeah. East Bay Ray is an incredible guitarist with his own sound that is this, uh, this unholy combination of, of psychedelia and surf. punk and surf. And he's got so many different, like, you know, Dick Dale, Steve Jones mashup stuff going yeah. on that it's really fun to listen to. And this song... It's just scary. I yeah. mean, this is a horror movie soundtrack, and yeah. it's about like how easily violence escalates. It doesn't take any sides in a riot. This town is gonna blow. It understands the adrenaline push. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a story song, but then it ends with like this kind of repeated drone of "Tomorrow you're homeless, tonight it's a yes. blast," yes. which is chilling. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Again, a scary album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they they use some they do some longer songs on side two. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's the same length, but there's only like six songs on side two and like nine on side one, mm -hmm. um, because a couple of them are these sort of epic-y pieces. Yeah, that, um, this is probably sacrilegious, but they you kind of hear early U2 uh, in a, in some of oh absolutely no I heard these that songs. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about that. I think, like, <laughs> like I go, because I am a U2 fan. I, like, grew up, like, t speaking of Ernest in the 80s, uh, they they left that behind, this sound behind, yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Um, but First time I heard uh, Dead Kennedys, I heard the Edge's guitar sound. Yeah. I def you, you're not wrong at all. And it's been it's been written about, too. Really, like, sharp, yeah. metallic guitar sound yeah. that, they, uh, that they, they gave up. It's hard to tell who came first. I mean, you two were big, big punk fans. Yeah, 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 huge Ramones fans, and um, uh, Dead Kennedys would not have been unaware of you two. Mm -hmm. They're calling the National Guard. Now could be your only chance to torch our police car. Climb the roof, kick the siren in, and jump and yap for joy. Quickly dive back in the crowd, so boy now don't get caught. That's another thing about the lyrics, like that the the line about the. Yeah, tomorrow we're homeless. Tonight's a blast. Our image of what punk music uh, song lyrics would be would be riot, 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 riot. But they wouldn't be as smart as this. They wouldn't yeah, exactly. like have that ironic um, the whole story in yeah. in one line. Like These that. things are gonna have consequences. Yeah, there's an amazing line on their last record, uh, which was called bedtime for democracy <laughs> um, but um, the the song is called where you draw the line and there's a, a quick lyric in that which was because you know you know you, you literally heard people talking about it and and I would read about people who were making trying to make cogent cases for anarchy for an actual absence of government and self-reliance and syndicalist communes popping up all over the country and and you were hearing about this from smart people. It wasn't just like dipshit crazies. Right, okay. And there is a line on Bedtime for Democracy, which has always kind of, has always really struck me as so smart, which is, anarchy sounds great to me. Then someone says, who'd fix the sewers? Would the rednecks just run king of the neighborhood? And I'm like, fuck, yeah, see, there's your problem. Now, can we trust people to like, I'm going to clean up the shit today. <laughs> um, and that is what separates the dead Kennedys from the chaff is that it is not, there are no easy answers. They are, it's going to sound preachy, but it's asking more questions than it's answering. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And that has always set them apart and is what I think puts them in the canon of one of the really genuinely great bands. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so what in high school, you were armed with this album yeah. going in freshman year, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it, how, tell me how this like, if, if, if what happened after this? Like, what 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 was the rest of high school? Did you continue on this punk? Um, you, when did you form Egghead? When, yeah. when Egghead was college. I got into Egghead in college, and and the thing about Egghead was we. Um, this is a band that uh, this is a, a punk band that that, that John was, was in, in for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, in, in New York twenties. Yeah. Uh, it started. It was interesting. Egghead started my senior year of uh, college um, with uh, me, our drummer Mike Falloon, and a guitarist named Travis Knight. Now Travis and I. Um, Travis was a good guitarist, 
as a songwriter, he tended towards very, very serious topics. And he wrote about stuff like the plight of the Native American and uh, right. the danger of having a gun in your home and all stuff that does concern me as well. Here is the problem. We did not have the musical chops of a Dead Kennedys or a Bad Religion. So I always felt that when we did those serious songs, it sounded kind of terrible because it almost sounded like we were mocking what we yeah. were singing about. Uh, so yeah. my idea was like, until we get our chops together, I think it behooves us to sing about girls in cars. <laughs> and I and I, I honestly think we can be sort of a garagey, fun punk band on the order of Dead Milkman or the Dickies right. uh, or one of those, those bands that are as funny as they are catchy and... So we, when, when we graduated, the band went their separate ways, and a, a different guitarist moved down to New York, and me and the drummer were there, and we got together, and on the first day of rehearsal, this new guitarist came in with a song called, uh, She's Coming Back, parentheses, but just to get her stuff. And I said, okay, now, <laughs> now we are on a wavelength here. Because while I love the Dead Kennedys, I think you need a certain amount of musical acumen to pull this sure. shit off. Yeah. Otherwise, it sounds... It's noise. Uh, it's noise or it's disrespectful almost, yeah. you know? It's almost cheapening the stuff you're talking about. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a very personal thing. And uh, and Travis and I are Facebook friends and it's all cool. Yeah. Um, but, you guys had a little more pop in there too, didn't you? No, we were, uh, we were the, much. Yeah. We were, I mean, because we, we actually, we covered, um, what did we cover? Uh, Destroyer by the Kinks. Uh, and Ooh. covered something else by the Kinks. We did another Kinks song. I can't remember which one it was. But we were all big Kinks fans and we were all big... Um, uh, Johnny Cash fans, and we dug a lot of um, a lot of really melodic stuff. So yeah, yeah. we we were definitely uh, uh, more into the uh, the the poppier edge of the spectrum. Sure. But I got a lot. Of, I got the other two guys of the bands more into the Dead Kennedys by going. Oh, this mm-hmm. guitarist. I mean, East Bay Ray is a fucking monster. Yeah. And then Klaus Floride, who was their drummer um, on this record, the bass is actually mixed really high. So I, I learned a lot of mm. my bass playing along to yeah. this record. Mm. They started a lot of the songs. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bleed for me is about um, is about a, it's Black Ops torture program about twenty years before stuff like this was mm-hmm. in the news. Wow. That's what Bleed for me is about. So mm-hmm. you know, um, that's fun. So what was your <laughs> tribe like when you found your tribe in high school? When I found my tribe, I found it through um, getting involved in in student theater but not as an actor as a, as a techie mm. um, I was way too stage Friday to get up on stage it really mm-hmm. it, it, the idea just absolutely petrified me but I wanted to be involved in the spring musical because I'd grown up yeah. going to the theater a lot um, this is you know my my endless uh, conundrum is that I'm I, I really like show tunes I really like punk rock yeah um, was there a, an internal clash or is it just there's like, an I internal really struggle like uh, like bottom this? line is I I, I thought um, American Idiot failed us both. I'll say that. <laughs> I, <laughs> Did your mom um, sit you down and say, what is this lame as shit that you're <laughs> So what I found was I found people who were, um, you know, yes, these guys were all working in theater, but yes, it was New York in the 80s. So I actually found people who yeah. dug a little Broadway, dug a little punk rock, mm-hmm. um, dug a little movies. You know, we weren't the punk kids by any stretch. There was a, there was a crowd like that at my school, certainly. Um, but nor was I hanging out with the flat-on, full-on theater kids, the right. ones who could cry on cue and <laughs> yeah. um, are, are still annoying to this day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had my little tribe of, like, techies, people who were, um, uh, you know, ensemble in uh, that season's uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Uh, my first girlfriend, Penelope, would, you know, we went to go see the Dead Milkman, and she was in, uh, she was one of the office workers in How to Succeed, and uh, wow. we, uh, we, you know, I found my people, you yeah. know. 
and I didn't like un- avoid the punk rock kids or anything. We yeah. didn't talk to those guys, but like my my close buddies were uh, were these sort of misfit, high functioning nerds that I uh, I, I, I yeah. stumbled across um, backstage at uh, at the high school for the humanities. It was a really ethnically diverse high school. It was a really economically diverse high school. I came down from Hell's Kitchen before it was gentrified. I had friends who came up from the West Village, which has always been which has been gentrified since the seventies. Um, I you know I had friends who lived in like entire brownstones that their family had all to themselves and I had friends who lived in shitty little 10 minute apartments so it was a really it was a real grab bag of people but I, I think what what punk rock did was even though I wasn't listening to really challenging music I was having my troubles it was already like starting to feel like tastes of anxiety and and like you know precursors to what became depression later on and there was stuff going on in my head anyway and then this was music that that kind of sounded like that oh, a little yeah. bit yeah. and instead of making me go deeper into my hole it made me feel a little less alone yeah and so even though there's there's you know there's subject matter in these uh songs that was just completely beyond my purview the music was like, oh yeah, that sounds a little bit like what's going on in my head. Sure. It's fast. It's it's weird. It's kind of funny. Um, lots of changes. There's lots of changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's lots of very abrupt changes. Oh shit! There's a clarinet. Was that a clarinet? Mm-hmm. You know. And that's, <laughs> so yeah, and, and I'm really just kind of talking as I'm really just just realizing this as I'm talking through it right now is that a record like this was just so all over the place and so dense and so moving from idea to idea idea to idea so quickly that it sort of represents what myself and I think a lot of teenagers feel like you know and I always worry about like people who are because I had friends who were like oh man this new Hall & Oates is, is amazing and I'm like like I'm not gonna knock Hall and Oates, but that's not what you should be listening to right now, man. That's like yeah. you got plenty of time to listen to Hall and Notes. We keep coming back to this theme with this podcast of like the music that you connect with at a certain age that becomes a friend in the room with you when you feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And literally, almost every single guest we've had, we have found that because that album is so important to them, it makes that connection where. It's it's what that person needs at that time to not feel so isolated yeah. in whatever yeah. thing they're going through. Yeah, exactly. It's um, so powerful. This is this is very much a record like that yeah. for me, and it's so, um, uh, you know, and it, it's funny too because it's there is a because you, you were asking earlier about the connection of punk rock and comedy because yeah. when Egghead broke up in the mid '90s, um, after you know a couple seven inch releases and a modest tour of the East Coast and and you know. Uh, on you know a, a truly would be a great name for your live album is a modest tour of the. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we had anything other than shitty VHS copies of our shows, yeah. Um, uh, I had a few months there of just like nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just have no idea what I'm doing. I got to get really, really depressed, and yeah. it, was, it was just a really rough time. And uh, yeah. and then um, this is my my oft repeated origin story. My buddy from college, Andy Secunda, suggested I take improv oh, was Andy, classes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andy Daly, uh, Andy Daly, who also went to Ithaca with us, he's doing it. Terry Jin is doing it. You should, I think, you'd be good at this. I'm like, improv is fucking terrifying, man. Are you kidding? Yeah. It's like, I mean, listen. I mean, if you've got something else going on, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and the comedy thing, because of bands like Dead Kennedys, and who had, you know, as nasty as they as some of these songs are in their subject matter, there is a. You know, there's a nasty sarcasm or a wit going through all of them. Yeah. And then there's stuff like, 
the Dickies or the Toy Dolls from London who were just silly and funny. Yeah. The kind of punk rock I was listening to made the transition to comedy relatively easy. That's great. And yeah. we, we were also constantly breaking strings and having to kill time on stage when we were in Egghead. So yeah. we would like, you know, we literally would do things where we would steal office supplies from <laughs> wherever we were temping, bring them to the gig, and if something broke, we'd auction them off. <laughs> we're like, who? Wants. I have a trivia question. If anyone answers this, you get a big thing of post-it notes. <laughs> like anything to just like keep the momentum going while Galvin was uh, was changing a string. So it was um, it was a uh, it was not the most abrupt transition. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah that's there was a guy from a band called Fear uh, um, who were on the Repo Man soundtrack. His he went by the name Lee Ving, and there's a while there in the '80s where Lee Ving is in every third movie. He's in a ton of fucking films. He's in Streets of Fire. I is think. Is he in Clue? He's in Clue. Yeah, very good. I was like, that name is well very, played. Yeah, he is in yeah. Clue, um, along with uh, with Jane Wheedlin from the Go Go's. Um, Jello's in a. Jello's in a movie called Tapeheads. And he plays himself. Uh, he like, plays an FBI agent who references himself. <laughs> yes, yes. That's oh, yeah. right. He plays an FBI agent who arrests uh, Tim Robbins and John Cusack at the end. And uh, the last line of the film as he's leading them away in cuffs is, remember what we did to Jello Biafra? Blackout. <laughs> That's the last line of that film because that film doesn't care who gets it. <laughs> what they did to Jello Biafra was, real quick, yeah. um, Frank and Christ had a poster inside it um, called um, uh, Penis Landscape uh, by H.R. Geiger who designed all the aliens for Alien. Yeah. And it's a hideous parade of penises going into anuses. Just penises going into anuses. Gross, warty penises going into anuses surrounded by the stars and stripes. (laughs) And I remember like buying the album, taking out the poster, having heard about it, opening up and being like, Oh wow! Yeah, mom doesn't need to see this one. We gotta, she has her limits. Yeah. <laughs> Tucking that back into the sleeve, putting it back into the. And a kid bought a copy of Frank and Christ at. Uh, do you remember the uh, California record store, the warehouse? Yeah, of course. Um, and took it home, and the mom went fucking nuts yeah. and sued the Dead Kennedys, the warehouse the record play- pressing plant that had been uh, that was owned by like an 85 year old man who was like what I don't know what I'm doing what? Like, what? I print a record they paid their bills on time yeah um, and it um, it uh, the Frankenkreis trial is a fruitful Google search yeah. um, it ended up in a hung jury and the uh, and the <laughs> court yeah <laughs> well hung yeah. jury uh, and the uh, the judge threw it out threw the case out said like no other jury is going to find this is ridiculous this is a colossal waste of time and then 15, 16 years later, um, uh, the um, prosecuting attorney, a guy named Michael Guarino and Jello Biafra, made up on an episode of This American Life, which you've got to find. They talk on the phone or something? They talk on the phone, yeah. That's crazy. And it is... Is it worth it? Completely. Go back to the archives. It's like two bucks to buy the old episode. Google the case and then then listen to that episode. It is fucking fascinating. That's great. Almost at the end of the record here. Uh, yeah. God, it flies by. God, it flies I mean, by. they pack so much in two minutes and thirty seconds. Where it's um, a forty-five minute record. Now, this last song is called "Moon Over Marin," and if yeah. you could turn it this up is just the a little I, bit, I like this, this one is, a lot. This really felt like you too. This was. This is he didn't write. Jello didn't write this one, right? He used to hum the songs to uh, the hooks to uh, Ray, and yeah. Ray would forget how to play it. 
That's the edge. Like that's yeah. That's so that's sounds, a, that's so the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Early. This that chord progression gives me chills. I it's love so this. it's yeah. flat out beautiful, and it's about a guy. So, there's been some sort of horrible toxic disaster. disaster. Yeah. Some horrible like infinite Jessian environmental disaster, and he's out on his beach at night, strapping on his gas mask, going for a walk amongst the sludge. And it's uh, the crowded future stings my eyes. I feel time. I still find time to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's about the complacency of Marin County, mm-hmm. his big bugaboo, mm-hmm. um, the 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 source of everything that uh, that went wrong apparently. And um, uh, and it, but it's done in this like gorgeous. Yes, it is very U two. It's soaring. It's, it's, it's like soars. A, yeah, yeah. It's a radio. This is radio friendly. It's totally radio friendly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's the same guitar part, and then, but it's all the it's the bass underneath it that changes. So that harmony with the bass mm-hmm. is what changes the entire tenor of the song. He lets himself really kind of carry a tune. You understand why it's tucked away at the end of the back back of the album, you yeah. know, because it is an anomaly, sort of as it's as sort of their poppiest song yeah. on the yeah. record. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it, it's such a, a a pretty piece of work. I'm trying to find. This also brings me to another band of that era that you almost was one of your choices with Big Country. This is oh a, oh yeah oh yeah totally. If I had heard this song first before any other, like, because this isn't a first choice band for me necessarily yeah. to like, uh-huh. I'm going to put on Dead Kennedys. Yeah. Sure. Um, but this one, I think, would have like bridged it a little bit better this for me. A... Into, oh, I like, think. If, if when I was a teenager, if I had heard this first, I think I would have yeah. been like, okay. I think it might have been an easier transition yeah. uh, rather than starting with saying Nazi punks fuck off. Sure. Well, the title draws you right in. The title draws you right in. <laughs> title title never gets old. It's just perfect. Title never perfect gets old. Perfect for today. Perfect for perfect then. Perfect today. Yes. Uh, and again, it was great about it is uh, you know they were they were calling out punk rockers for their shit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. right out of the gate, it wasn't just the punks are going to save the world. It's like no, the punks got to keep their own house yeah. in order. Yeah. You're not hardcore if you spike your hair if a. It, you're not hardcore because you spike your hair if a jock still lives inside your head. <laughs> That's amazing. Line. Is that amazing? That's amazing. Is that amazing? Yeah. yeah. That's so great, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So it ends, it just slows down like this. Uh, mm-hmm. Very satisfying. And then it ends, I think it does it still yeah, end? Yeah, we're back with at the, uh, by, uh, the closing yeah. the curtains with it. Yeah, so it ends with the same sort of noise and the same woman who sounds like an airline stewardess. Yeah. A psychiatrist is on duty 24 hours a day in the blue room, just up from the parking garage. Drink plenty of water when you take these. Now you can relax and return to your job. <laughs> I love that It's just ending. the summary of the entire album. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's like, yeah, go back to your... Whatever life you have. Trust yeah. your doctor. Trust your this. Trust your that. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so you listen to a band like Dead Kennedys, and then you're, you, you start a punk band, and how are you going to support your punk band? Well, I'm a temp. <laughs> I'm temping at a bunch of offices. Well, uh, you know, your father ended up uh, working in an office for his whole life, and he, he worked in a uh, windowless office in the paper industry where he smoked a lot and eventually got emphysema. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not my dad. Don't worry yeah. about it. Well, the band breaks up, and you've also now gone full-time at Price Waterhouse, John. So uh, you're in your cubicle all the time, and you can't smoke in this office, I'll grant you that, but it's uh, still looking an awful lot like your dad, kind of <laughs> looking a lot like your dad's track here, buddy, I gotta tell you. And uh, what would the Dead Kennedys think of this, John? I'm just saying, like, you know, you know, that, isn't the, that can't be like, you know, that can't be the litmus test. We can't do everything the Dead Kennedys tell us to do, but what would the Dead Kennedys be thinking about this, John? Mm. And then uh, I start taking improv classes, and that all starts to make a ton of sense, and I... When I quit Price Waterhouse, <laughs> I submitted a resignation resignation email that said I planned to career pursue a career in improv. <laughs> <laughs> That's on a wall somewhere there, I bet. I hope it is. I hope it is. Um, I hope they framed it. Jen Krasnagor, my supervisor, if you're out there, I hope you, you hung on to that fucker. Because <laughs> um, I sent it from my PWC uh, 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 emails account, so I don't have it anymore. Um, um, but, I, you know, I if there's a... One of many reasons I'm not in an office right now are albums like this. Wow. This Wait. album uh, arrived for you right before freshman year of high school. Yeah. Saved you there. Yeah. Saved you one more time. Yeah. And it's going to continue That's to amazing. save you. Did anything this is... happen with your career beyond that? <laughs> we do one final thing, which always oh, takes yeah. me by surprise, uh, but I, I was forgot. determined, ah, uh, which is... Uh, a segment called What Did You Learn Today? And it's just, you can take a moment to kind of uh, remember whatever, this conversation that we had and talk about something that you, it could be anything small to the big to the, about us, about you, uh, about um, the, anything in, in, the, in the conversation. Uh, unfortunately, I learned about this uh, relief package to uh, Biafra. Biafra. <laughs> uh, filled with jello, which drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> it's so maddening, yeah. isn't it? It's uh, so maddening. Coming from the supposed good guys, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's shitty. Oof. Makes you feel bad. Yeah. Um, I, I really feel like, I, and I get every time I talk to you or Jamie, I feel like I walk away going, like, I have big life lessons, whether they're intended that's to that's be imparted on us really not on my intention not. at all. But just, <laughs> I, I'm going to keep that like how your mom dealt with you listening to Dead Kennedys. I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind for my nieces and my nephew of instead of just because I, I dismiss a lot. They're, they're young. The oldest, they're, they're four. Um, but um, I, I'm so dismissive of teenagers and the things they like and I listen to things I'm like, what the fuck is, I get so, I'm cranky and I don't want to be cranky but I'm going to take this lesson and I'm going to try and use this as I get older to seek understanding rather than being dismissive it's hard with the YouTube stars man they push us they really yeah. do push us yeah. <laughs> but if I can if I can spit it that feels like a very I feel like I've been, I'm walking away a better person It's just hearing everybody out, you know. That's if that's that was my mom's lesson. Is again, you know, you're not going to love everything, but hear it out, you know, and, and try to try to figure out what the appeal is at least. At least and, you can be informed then, yeah. Instead of just going like, no, this is stupid. An informed is, opinion yeah. is is pretty great, you know. And I, uh, yeah. 
learned a lot about uh, uh, well myself. I've, I mean, mm -hmm. the being able to articulate that whole idea of um, this music outside sounding like the noise inside my head was was edifying. But I um, I learned that I don't talk, I hang out with either of you enough. <laughs> always, I, 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 every time I see either of you, uh, I'm. Jamie was just like, it's so great you get to hang out with those two. Like, I know, I know. Ostensibly under the guise of a podcast, oh, but uh, you're, you're just that delightful. But at the risk of sounding too much like the Mike Douglas show, I just, um, yeah, I learned, um, I love hearing about what was hitting elsewhere mm. at that time. And I love the idea of you, like, getting that mountain music yeah. at that moment and that being um, sort of your last encounter with country hmm. before you your taste sort of went kind of anglophile yeah you know and that's that's really interesting because we were all kind of vaguely anglophilic in the early 80s because there's yeah. so much great shit coming yeah. out of britain you know yeah yeah, yeah. but so it, it's it's fun listening to because, you know, growing up in New York is fucking crazy. Growing up in Texas is fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, everyone's growing up is fucking insane. And I love hearing about... Um, I mean, I'm going back to the car, and I'm not listening to the Dead Kennedys. I'm listening to Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> you can find John at tw uh, on Twitter, at John Ross Bowie. Are those capitalizations important? No, they are not. You can also find him... Uh, on Speechless on ABC Wednesdays at 8.30. Yes. John, thank you so much. My thank pleasure. You. I'm shaking your hand. All right. Visual medium. Ta-da. It's happening. <laughs> See you next time, Deb. Bye, Joel. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at This Particular Album. The show is produced by Joel Spence, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by Anna Salinas. Music by Joel Spence. See you next time. Hey, Batch Nation. It's Alex. And Sarah. And we've had so much fun recapping Becca's season of The Bachelorette that we obviously decided to cover the season of Bachelor in Paradise. Episodes will air on ABC starting August 7th. And look for episodes from us, TTBP, every Thursday starting August 9th. Hopefully Grocery Joe doesn't find love. That way he's still on the market. <laughs> Get it? No. Almost paradise. Campfire.